Son. Your lives are a rare ability. Geppetto's puppet, our only hope. Power beyond your imagination. Come back to me, Carlo. Lie to protect yourself. Be careful, clever one. Welcome to my Xbox and me, a very special episode of my Xbox and me, because we're talking all about Lies of P. Crash is joining me. He's finally finished the game, and yeah. I think it's probably a contender for our game of the year. We're going to start this discussion spoiler-free, so you can listen to that bit, and then we'll make it really, really clear when we're diving into spoilers. But I would assume by now, hopefully if you're interested in this game, you've probably played it. Came to Game Pass Day 1. What a get for Game Pass. Come on. Huge for Game... Underrated for Game Pass, if we're going to be honest, because, like, I don't feel like it's really... A, the game hasn't really been mentioned to the level I think it deserved to be mentioned. 100%. And then, B, it hasn't been mentioned for Game Pass specifically. Which normally people, when games are on Game Pass, they're like very big in like promoting it and talking about it. I feel like Lies of P in that regard kind of went under the radar, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like like the other big Souls game that came out this year is Lords of the Fallen. I think Lies of P yeah. does everything better than Lords of the Fallen does. And Lords of the Fallen is a great game. But it also came to Game Pass Day 1 for free, in quotes. We know that Game Pass games aren't free, but they kind of are. Um, yeah. And it's the first game from the studio and hopefully sets up an awesome franchise, which obviously we'll get into more later on when we speculate about what could be the future of this franchise but for now let's talk about the gameplay because i feel like we can do that without getting into spoiler territory too much um yeah. one of the most unique things about this game i think from the souls like genre is the ability to customize weapons in the way this game lets you how did you find that was it confusing at all to you did you love it did you hate it i loved it I don't think, for me, it wasn't confusing in the slightest. I think the only bit I got confused with uh, was actually the special weapons. Yep. Because I was a little disappointed when I first got them, and I was like, you can't break them apart. You mm -hmm. can't be using the blade from one thing with the handle to the other thing. But then as you, as I sort of started messing around with them more, the reasoning kind of made sense because they were a whole package as opposed to pieces. It's where the handle functions with the uh, blade, and it's all meant to go together. Um, and so it kind of made much more sense the deeper I got into it. I think I would say after I got the uh, the, the scythe weapon, which we'll talk about, I think, a sure. bit more later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, the, the, the weapon customization was something initially I was quite daunted by and, like, didn't quite get how it worked or why I would necessarily do it. And it is quite a, like, technical mechanic, I guess. Like, it's about modifying this weapon so that it works for the skills that you're leveling up, right? Or the type of damage that you want to be doing to a particular enemy, whether it's electric or fire or acid or whatever. Um, and so when I think you learn that, like, and you kind of have to learn by doing, nobody really explains it to you in classic Souls fashion, that the yeah. handle dictates the weapon combo you're going to do, if you like, when you hit R1 or R2 over and over again, and the blade dictates the type of damage you're going to do and what level it scales with. Is that right? You've played more recently than me. Uh, I believe scalings with handlers. Oh, well. it is, is it? Okay, yeah. Yes. But then even that uh, you can change, right? Even that you can customize yeah, by you can finding cranks. Completely and... change it. Yeah. Yeah, so you can change something that's like horrible with uh, technique to be an A in technique. It's just going to take a lot of cranks because I think it's sure. one, two, and then three cranks possibly. I don't yeah. know if it ever gets to three, but yeah, uh, it becomes pretty costly. But I do actually think that's amazing. So if you want a level of technique and you play the game multiple times, 
you can literally make every single weapon viable for whatever build you're going. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you can respec your character, but that comes quite yeah. late in the game. Um, and I don't think it's a spoiler, right, to say that eventually you will get to a point where you can respec your character. And so if you yes. have kind of committed down a route of um, it, what's the strength version in this? It's called something else, isn't it? Motive? I believe it is motive. I believe something so. like that. I mean, it's motive, technique, and advanced. I don't yeah. know which one is which, to be 100% sure. honest with you. I, I scaled into motive for most of the game, um, and that was like the strength. So I was using heavy weapons and right. stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, and then got to a point where I could respec and decided to respec just because I wanted to try out all the other kind of variations of the things I could do. Um, and so, yeah, games like this definitely need respecing. I love to see it. It's not inexpensive to respec which is interesting right like like you you can theoretically do it many many times um, yeah. but it would just take you a while to be able to achieve that so um something to bear in mind if you haven't yet jumped into the game but the weapon customization stuff is awesome and you know uh, like i played this game early i played it sort of three years ago no two years ago at gamescom and then again in august before it came out and when i played it in august before it came out um i played through the section just before uh the king of puppets that's not a spoiler it's fine um and and um every weapon was unlocked and every weapon was maxed out and i was like oh my god scrolling through that like you know debug yeah. weapon system i was like oh my god this is insane so many weapons and so much variety of like the combinations you can do it's just so cool it also becomes pretty inexpensive to rank up your weapons most of the way through so i never felt like oh man i really should have leveled that weapon up i always felt like I can go grind a little bit and bring this weapon up to a reasonable level level if I really wanted to continue on uh, using this weapon, which yeah, I thought a, was really dope. It's something I didn't really grind for when I played, but I think I finished the game with like five maxed out weapons, some of them being boss weapons, which which use different materials to rank up, um, yeah. to upgrade. So yeah, but I totally agree. Like my fear always in Souls game is like, oh, am I putting my resources into the right bit? And like, uh, do I need to worry about yeah. that? Um, but it does something that Elden Ring did, and I, I'm sure other Souls games have done as well, where you will eventually be able to buy those upgrade materials um, so that you don't have to necessarily grind enemies in a specific area for them. You could just grind yeah. souls that are not souls uh, so that you can buy them, which is great. I don't know. Ergo. And yeah, I think, yeah, no, 100%. I, I think that speaks to exactly what this game is, right? Which is taking all of the best bits from Souls games chucking them in a new setting that's really interesting to wander around and like just really well refined like taking those yes. best bits and just doing it right uh learning from everything that came before it even though this is the first in a franchise right yeah i mean i've mentioned it but the uh i think i mentioned on the podcast where uh you'll get through a very frustrating bit of the game and immediately after that there will be a shortcut for you so you never have to grind through that area again and i absolutely love that experience yeah and I wish it was something you experienced more often in Souls games. And I understand why it's sort of the repetitive process. It's there usually in a Souls game. It was just really refreshing to not have to worry about that anymore after the first time going through it. Yeah, yeah. And then something you've mentioned here that I didn't use until late game. And I think I, I stung myself by not using it until late game. The grinders and the weapon durability system. How did you yeah, find that? Yeah, so... 
I, I actually like really, really like the grinders. I found myself using them all the time. Um, and then particularly during certain boss fights, uh, learning the pattern of when you can actually pop them. Otherwise, you're just going to get completely messed up. Yeah. At first, that was my big issue with using them. And then at a certain point, I realized like you just pop it before you go into the boss room and then you go into the boss room with it prepared and you can do that first chunk. Yeah. Um, and then usually if you got to a second phase, you could pop it at the beginning of that second phase. So you yeah. wouldn't really have to stress about it. But yeah, that whole, the weapon durability system in general, even aside from like the gameplay fact of it, was just visually a very satisfying uh, component of the game. I mentioned it, uh, I think I mentioned it on the podcast, I might have been joking with Fix when I said it or something like that. Uh, it, it having an active reload type of system like Gears of War would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been sick. Um, that would have been really Where cool. you have to like, pay attention to the gauge and maybe be able to like either finish it early or get some sort of benefit or something like that while you're dodging and all that stuff could have been an interesting combo. But regardless, even without that, uh, it was a very, very cool system. Um, I like the fact that you were unlocking different grinders. And at first it was like, here's the different damage types, right? You're going to get an electric one, a fire one and an acid one, mm -hmm. uh, which were the only three damage types, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then you could get ones that boosted your guard, boosted attack, and all this stuff. And then eventually you get probably the best one towards the end of the game, which is the parry one. Yeah, um, so every time you block, it's a perfect parry, and that is awesome. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, man, I should have done the upgrades that, that make this effect last longer, which I wasn't paying attention to before. And now I'm like, oh, dude, that's fucking cool, and I really like yeah. that. Yeah. So. And the game gives you opportunity, even you could even reset the P yep. organ, which is your whole, uh, I guess it's a whole other skill tree type of thing that you yep. get for getting quartz, which you have to get by defeating specific bosses or getting to certain chests and stuff like that. Uh, the whole upgrade system of, I think, uh, the, the character is fantastic from weapons to these, uh, not skills, I guess, the, the, the P organ. Mm -hmm. um, also, one thing about weapons, going back to it a little bit, uh, the fable arts, which we didn't mention, yeah. Uh, very cool, very dope. Um, an interesting mechanic, especially when you include the whole stagger system of the combat, because most Fable Arts actually activate the stagger, which makes it easier to proc. Because at first I was trying to do just the charge attacks, and that was a mess most of the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and it, again, Fable Arts was something I didn't use until late game either, really. And like, and that definitely stung me as well. Like, there's so much to think about while you're in this like combat, and it's one of those things of you know the classic thing of like hoarding your rocket launcher ammo because you think you're gonna need it at some point. I was very much <laughs> yeah. like that with Fable Arts, and then you start unlocking stuff where it's like, oh, every time you pop a heal, you'll get like a Fable Art charge, or every time you do a pivot parry, you get a Fable Art charge, and you realize, oh, actually, I'm getting these things quite a lot, um, and so you should be using them more than I think me as like a, a somebody who wants I to hoard all their special ammo would would like to. Yeah, I did that with everything in the game. And then I got to like the last set of bosses, which are pretty compact. And I was like, I have so many tools at my disposal. And I've been mainly using my Legion arm, which I didn't use till like towards the end of the game. Yeah. And the Fable Arts. But you have a whole slew of different weapons and different stuff. You have a cannonball that can stagger enemies out mm -hmm. of bosses, particularly out of special moves. Yeah. So if there's a move that's really annoying and you see it charging up, you just chuck one of those at it. You can only carry three into a battle, but it gives you the opportunity to avoid having to deal with that which i thought was really dope yeah all the throwables and grenades and stuff that i think souls games has kind of taught us are kind of useless like like in dark souls 3 and stuff like that like when was when have you ever used a throwable i don't know but maybe other people do but i certainly never did um all the things that like lure enemies to a certain area and stuff like that i found myself using more in this game far too late 
and should have been yeah. using them much earlier. Um, because yeah, everything it gives you is important, right? Like it's it's not like Souls games where I feel like a lot of the stuff is like fluff that you yeah. don't need. Uh, yeah, I, I think I generally agree with that. I think the benefit of a Souls game comparative to this, right, is the ability of magic. And so a lot of the fact that this game doesn't have that sort of magic aspect, I think allowed them to be a little bit more creative with the items and make them a bit more useful for the player. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then let's quickly then move on to sort of general thoughts. Again, we're keeping it spoiler free for now on enemies and bosses. Uh, obviously, this is taking sort of huge inspiration. A lot of people sort of calling it aesthetically very much like a Bloodborne. Um, yeah. But but it's like puppet mechanic for me was like a really unique, interesting thing that made the enemies really unique and interesting. Um, how did you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think visually three of my favorite bosses in this game are three of maybe my favorite visual souls bosses in general wow. in a very long time yeah oh now i want to get into um, spoilers i want to know which ones but yeah yeah uh well one of them's one of them's very early on one of them's the police officer the other two are oh, it was in the demo i think that's fine to talk yeah about. that one's in the demo that one like the when he crawls around the building i just thought that was so visually satisfying yeah and i think you've gotten stuff like that in souls games before but it's just the fact that it was a puppet and the way they played with the fact that it was a puppet uh, that just really, really added uh, value to it, I think, for me. Yeah, and, and you know, one complaint I've seen, which I agree with sometimes and disagree with other times, right, is that um, because of the, like, the leaning into the puppet animatronic aesthetic and feel, um, a lot of the enemies are difficult to predict. Did you find that? Like, they'll wind no. up for an attack and it'll be really, like... I... I think at first I did, but then sort of my brain just started like counting the the amount of times it fidgets. It's like, that's the third time. That's when I have to parry or that's when I have to dodge. Um, and I think visually that system technically is easier to like learn how to, how to dodge it because there is quite literally a timer for you if you pay attention to it um, as opposed to a normal Souls game. But again, those are just immediate responses. So I guess you could also argue that that would be better um but no i didn't i didn't really um struggle with them i actually like that aspect they made them feel more puppet-like and unique from your typical souls experience yeah absolutely and i think i think at least initially they're unpredictable in quite a nice way right like souls games are about trying and trying again and learning the pattern and like if that doesn't appeal to you this game obviously won't appeal to you um but just knowing that there is sort of unique eccentricities to this that make sense um because these like puppets are malfunctioning and freaking out and da, da, da. and often when they get sort of to later stages get quicker right and like more frantic which again ties into the story and makes sense for what they're trying to build here um and like panics you as a player like some of the boss fights get so fast almost like sekiru yeah. levels of fast um and it's all about that like parrying and dodging window and stuff like that and so yeah when you get it right it's so satisfying like when when you know something's winding up for like a six hit combo and you perfectly parry every single one of them even if you're kind of cheating and using the grinder to help you do that yeah. it's still so satisfying um so yeah i absolutely loved it and, and we'll talk more about the enemies when we get into spoiler territory and talk about some of the bosses um but yeah level design for me was like incredible i remember playing you know that gamescom demo that i played really early on is is the early um the early demo section right that they released and the verticality of it the streets the knocking down ladders to then you know get shortcuts and stuff i was like 
immediately like oh this is really special like it, it very much felt like bloodborne that opening area those yeah. city streets the cobbled streets da 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 but i think they knew what they were doing with that right they wanted to invoke that within you um and yeah for me i just absolutely loved it and every time i went into a new area i was just like this is stunning and the things i'm finding are really interesting and the way that it snakes around to itself i absolutely adored what do you think of it yeah, no, I, I think I echo your sentiments almost completely with the exception of the very last area of the game. Like the whole last, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get spoilers. Okay, I don't sure. want to spoiler what it is. But that whole last section, I love the introduction to it, but everything past that, I was just kind of like, I'm not a fan of the feeler vibe of this because I feel like it was so contradictory to what was there before that. Okay, but, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I know where you're at. Uh, I do agree with you on a majority of this game. Like, uh, the whole time I'm like, this place is incredibly cool. I love going through the streets of um, uh, Krat and then going to the opera house and stuff like that, which is a spoiler, I guess. Um, a lot a lot of that stuff is really cool. There wasn't a moment that I really wasn't in awe. One thing I do kind of wish they stepped their game up a little bit, which they don't need to because I would love for them to do a little bit more environmental storytelling with their game because I felt like a certain sort of stuff they would do repeated a lot like whenever you went into the trinity room the trinity room looked exactly the same every time for the most part sure um and so i wish there was a little bit more variety maybe not necessarily storytelling in that environment um a lot of the times you see boxes blocking doors you had mentioned this very early on and then it made me notice it immediately boxes blocking doors that don't even necessarily need to be blocked yeah uh was just like kind of a weird decision as well so there's a little bit of level design stuff that I, I feel like they can upgrade and change, but for the most part, I absolutely did enjoy what was there. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And I and I think, like, some of that speaks to the scale of the game, which is quite small. Like, like those, you know, they want to make it feel like a real city, town thing that you're walking around. And so I guess it wouldn't make sense if it felt very narrow and, like, one path all the way through. But it is odd when you get to sections and you're like, there's just a big archway here and clearly a city street through there, but you're not allowed down there, so we're going to put some boxes there and and you just can't go that way, I guess. And, that, yeah, it makes you feel boxed in a much bigger world. Um, yeah. But, again, I, I think that speaks to the scope of the game. You know, it's a relatively small team. It's their first game. It was ambitious, um, but you just see the limitations in a game like that, when, especially when you compare it to something like Elden Ring, where it's like look at this vista now go over there and just get yeah. there however you want to get there and you know all those things um but yeah like like for me i get those frustrations but i'm just constantly like in awe of of how pretty this thing looks and um yeah i, I guess i agree with the envir environmental storytelling stuff um i think like part of that is down to the fact that this game just tells you the story a lot yeah. clearer than most souls games yeah, yeah. So, like you're not looking around i mean you can certainly like dig into item descriptions and stuff like that i don't think you're getting those like epiphany moments you know where you're drawing the string on the chalkboard to figure out oh this is this guy's sword that you mentioned eight hours ago offhand and da 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 there's some You'd of that. Be surprised. There's some yeah, of there that. is some of it. Yeah, it's just not. It's not as littered throughout the game as it is. It's in not the typical Souls. George R.R. R. R. Martin which... wrote a thousand years of history on this world, yeah. right? <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense, like you said. It is the game tells its story in a much more uh, obvious and linear way, where you know what the story is going on. There's no like needing to piece stuff together. It is the story is very obvious. There's a lot of side stuff you can get from a reading the notes and looking at certain item descriptions but none of that is necessary to walk away with an experience from this game 
Absolutely. And and I would say the same about the fact that it's based on Pinocchio, obviously, which I don't think we've actually mentioned yet. Um, yeah. But like, it's a huge part of it, right? And so you're going to be jump, uh, bumping into Geppetto and the fairy and Jiminy and all these characters that you, I guess, know from the fairy tale. And I think the more you are familiar with that fairy tale, the more you have to pull out of this. Like after finishing the game, I went and watched like a deep dive and I didn't know any of this stuff about the original fairy tale which as with a lot of fairy tales a lot darker than you might think and da 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 um and all of that's here in the game with a twist right and like almost turned on its head we're getting to spoilers later but like <laughs> like it yeah. does such a good job of that of going like hey remember this thing from your childhood here it is and it's fucked up and dark and horrible and uh and really fits in this world and feels just awesome to discover yeah no i i absolutely hundred percent agree with that um the whole approach to pinocchio as the sort of driving force of this narrative just fits so well with what they're doing and what it looks like they're planning to do with the future which i i'm excited to talk about towards the end but it, it makes the whole game the ending to that game made the whole game a better experience which i feel like in a souls game isn't necessarily what i walk away with yes i totally agree with you Yes, absolutely. And with that in mind, maybe we should get into spoilers now. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, if you're at all a Souls fan, please go play Lies of P. It's yep. on Game Pass. How have you not already done it? My God. Literally, I don't know. I, I almost don't want to say this because I'm sure somebody in the comments will point out something that's better, but the best game to come on Game Pass this year? Probably. I can't think of it unless they announced that Baldur's Gate is coming to Game Pass. I can't think of a no, better game. Surely not. You could surely probably not. make an argument for like Cocoon if you're going the indie route or something like sure. that. So there's some some stuff that you could maybe make an argument for. But this should uh, be a Game yeah. Pass system seller, a subscription seller, right? It like be. it absolutely it, should be. Sorry, it didn't get. It didn't just get. It just didn't get the notoriety. I feel like it should have. No, but regard. but like. Again, we talk about this a lot on the podcast of like Microsoft not doing a phenomenal job of advertising their shit. Like, can you imagine like a really fucking good looking Lies of P cinematic? Like, ah, oh, yeah. dude, like it would be hype as fuck. Like the old like Gears of War cinematic trailers back in the day and stuff. You yeah. Could, you could do such a good job with I, it, Phil. Come on. I agree with this. If anybody wants to know who Microsoft should buy next, I think I found the studio. I, I, surely those conversations have been had, no? Like, Maybe I'd not, so. but, you know, Microsoft keep talking about want to make an impact. I know they're not Japanese, they're a Korean studio, but but that side of the world, um, yeah. this would be a huge get. And and I, I hope that they see the sales figures have done well out of this. It, it's one of those ones that would be fascinating to know, like, what impact Game Pass had, right? Like, yeah. we're a load of people streaming this game because they had it on Game Pass. Did that generate a load more revenue on PlayStation and other places where you can play this game? Like... I, I really hope so. I really hope that this is like the now case study for like why third party games going into Game Pass Day One is really a good thing. It could be the yeah. opposite. <laughs> it could be like, oh shit, I, loads of people played this game and we didn't make the money we were hoping to make on it. I don't know, but yeah, I don't think that's the case because I, I think then you don't an you don't announce a DLC and the sequel are in the works, and they clearly have been in the works for quite a while with how much they were willing to talk about them as well. Um, I think so. I think you're right. 
I think you're right. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, and maybe the people have already gone because I said we were going to get into spoilers. Actually, let's just talk about it in a spoilerific way. If you if you don't want spoilers, you can leave at this point. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe. Well, you're probably already gone, but you should have subscribed yeah. <laughs> before you left. And if, you, if you're still here, subscribe now because we're about to get into spoilers. Um, we talked about the story a little bit and the other bits and bobs. The lying system in the game is probably yes. the most abstract part of the game. And the part that was sort of hyped up to be so unique and so interesting and the reason that you should play this game and it's the driving force behind the game and obviously the driving force behind the Pinocchio fairy tale. How did you find it playing through it moment to moment when you were making those decisions whether to lie or not and and when did it click for you what was happening and how did you feel about it in general? Um, for the longest time, I thought it was kind of an irrelevant system. Because yeah. I don't know if you ever tried... Uh, not lying at the gate to the hotel the game just doesn't let you in sure you have to lie yeah um and so i was sort of like oh the system's kind of whatever you get the little puzzles where you can uh you get multiple choice and at a certain point i think you essentially are offered you can lie in one of those and all the side quests give you the option to lie in the side quests and stuff like that so i didn't quite get it um until you get to the point where you start uh listening to the records in particular and you get the same sort of response to when you lie and it's like oh, there's a warmth in you or whatever it is. And it's sort of like, oh, that's affecting your humanity. And it was a really interesting take on the lie, especially compared to the fairy tale of where the fairy tale is like, lying's bad, kids, where this one's like, hey, you know, sometimes in life you got to lie to people yeah. to like save their feelings or sometimes the truth isn't sort of worth going through. Um, and so I thought that was a very interesting dynamic that I didn't expect to be the case. I expected hey, if you lie, you're going to be punished by the game and the game's going to give you a worse experience for it. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And, you know, like, it's one of those things. I was, uh, yeah, I was always really skeptical about what the lying would do in the game, right? Because, like, yeah. we, we know from, like, Souls games what humanity does and stuff like that, right? Like, so I thought it was going to be along those lines and they were going to keep it that abstract all the way through. Um, And then it gets to a point where, like, it kind of turns on a dime and it goes cool now you're human we're in spoiler territory everybody um yeah. because you've lied enough or, or listened to records or done whatever um i i kind of wish that it did do that slower like i wish mm. that wasn't a, a light switch flicking moment like i wish you were turning that way over time and it was like because you know when that happens I, it, like you just come back with longer hair and you're a human you know there's no yeah. there's no like dial that it's turning up um, other than the way people talk to you, I guess, or or those that your your heart yeah. is warming moments or whatever, and even that's yeah. too abstract almost. Um, yeah. And then I kind of wish it did have like a mechanical difference in the game. I wish when I turned mm-hmm. human, I was more squishy or quicker. You know, like something where I was like, oh, I made a decision and now it matters, as opposed to just being the way that people talk to you or, or function. I- with you. I get what you're saying, but I think one of the main things about the game is the fact that puppets can be humans. Like, you're a human, but you're still a puppet. I don't think that aspect of you changed. He doesn't magically become flesh and bones, right? Yeah, sure. So I think having that sort of change sort of works counterintuitive to ultimately what the message was for the game in Pinocchio and even um, the uh, the King of Riddles, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, where his whole thing... Yeah, his whole thing very early on was like, are we human? Uh, do you kill? Like, is killing being part of human? By the way, I think he was probably my favorite character in this whole game. Sure. Like, that little dialogue he gets, he gives you at the end of it was absolutely phenomenal. 
Um, but ultimately, the game does really like push this idea of like, can puppets be human, and what makes a human? Um, and sort of puts it against even Simon, who's the main uh, bad guy for this game, who's like, I want to get rid of lying. Puts him in sort of a situation where he is human, but he sort of sacrifices his humanity to become a god. Where the puppet just wants to be a human, and how does he achieve that? By lying. Simon wants to get rid of lying, and so it puts them at odds in that degree. And I think their exploration of that made it an interesting system even though i don't think if you're looking at it just from a gameplay perspective the lying in the game is not all that interesting or intuitive yeah and and you know really early on i had a moment where um i was uh in the factory um and there's a survivor there and i was wearing a certain outfit that i'd found in the factory and as i went and talked to that survivor he said oh, you, are you my friend who I lost? You must be the ghost of my friend who I lost. And then he went mad and started attacking me. And I emailed the devs because I was playing this before launch. And I was like, is that a moment where I involuntarily lied to this guy? Like that I was wearing the clothes of his friend. He thought I was that friend. Does that count as a lie? And they said, no, it doesn't count as a lie, but that is unique dialogue if you're wearing that outfit when you go down Interesting. there. Um and so I thought it was going to do loads of stuff like that then from that point on where it's like, well, you didn't even know you were about to fucking lie, but you, you've just fucking lied to this person and shit like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is fucking sick if it does this. And it didn't that, quite lean into it enough for me. But, but like, you know, it's a that, small scale game. Da, 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 da. Go on. That is a, a good point for something that I noticed that I don't actually know if it affects you in any way. They have two items in the game that allow you to return to a previous save point. One of them is the one of them you have to sacrifice your ergo for, and one of them you don't sacrifice your ergo with. And so oh, I thought there was a mechanical difference between the two or something, but I don't think there's any reason to use the one that let, makes you lose your ergo. So I was kind of confused with that. And so I thought that that would lead into sort of the uh, the 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 lying system, but it never appears to do that for me. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe maybe that's like an accessibility thing. Like like we're just gonna give you the option to make this a bit easier for you and return if you want to with all your ego or not if you want a more souls like pure yeah. experience or whatever. Maybe I don't, yeah I don't know. I I'll be honest. I never used either of those items, so I don't know. Like I, I didn't yeah, look into it yeah. at all. But um, I only started using them out of curiosity because I wasn't using them in the beginning. Um, I was good. going through it like very souls type experience for the longest time. I didn't even use specters for a majority of the game because I was like. It's not the it's not the Souls experience, which if you're playing through the game, I would recommend just use Spectres. Don't don't be that guy. For sure, yeah, that's actually worth pointing out. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with you. Like, I got to a point where I was like really pushing it to get it finished for the embargo, and so I got to a point where I was like quite early on, really, where I was like struggling with bosses, and I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna use Spectres. Um, it did kind of make me wish like there was some co-op aspect to this game, like something yeah. that I kind of missed from Souls games, being able to call in real people as opposed to Spectres. I often felt like, well, in some circumstances, I felt like the Spectres were more of a hindrance. Like by having the aggro split in a way that I couldn't always predict, I felt like I mm. wasn't getting helped. Like I sometimes, it won't very often, but there was one boss specifically quite early on that I felt that way with. Um, it was the the weird slug one with the dude coming out of his oh, back. Oh, yes. And then he turned yes. around. Um, yeah, that one I felt like I did better on my own. It's one specific example. But I feel like if I'd had another person in there with me, I mean, it would have made life a lot easier. So that's, guess what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, I never felt the need to, like, use the cube to bring back my specter. 
and like yeah. that would help me out. I, <laughs> my cube stayed strictly on the healing. Oh really? And that's if I remember to use my my cube, which half the time I did it. Until like I, the end of the game, I wasn't really using my cube. Yeah, I, I wasn't using it towards the end of the game, but like sort of halfway through, I'd say I was using it often um like immediately as I entered a boss room to make my spectre do like acid damage or fire damage uh, in a okay. similar way to use the grinder, you know, early on before yeah. you get the perfect block. Um, that's, that tended to be what I was doing the cube with. Um, but then I got to a point where I really wasn't using the cube at all because it, it took too long to spin up. I didn't buy the upgrade to do it quicker. And you know, I was just yeah. Like, not and then also it. having to run, I wish there was a fast travel to the tree, to the golden apple tree or the money tree or whatever they call it. Yeah. So you could just pick them up there and buy uh, the wishing stuff and then just dip. Yeah, the the tree currency thing is something I didn't dive into much. A bit because I would like forget about it. You know, it's on a timer to respawn them, and I'd forget that it was a thing. And and like you say, you got to run up there to go get them, and then go somewhere else to trade them with you know this person or that person. Um, I w I was very lucky that when I think f the fox asked me for some, I just had some. Otherwise, I just wouldn't have given it to her. Um, yeah. So. When you go to fight the uh, the brother, did you have one on you? No. I didn't either. I felt so bad. I felt awful. I felt horror. I stopped playing the game, and I did not play the game for like two or three <laughs> days after that. I did because I, I was like, I, I was like, I'm, I died to him on purpose, first of all. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait, and I'm going to go back, and he's going to give me the option again. But I knew that wasn't the case, so I just oh, didn't no. watch my game. And so you go back, and then you have to fight him all over again. Uh, and I felt bad because I like the brother. I like both of those characters uh, very much so. Yeah, I do too. And it, and it comes back to that whole, like, I think everybody in this game the the kind of classic pinocchio fairy tale is lying is bad there is good and there is bad and lying is bad um whereas this whole game is like gray area everybody's yeah. in the gray area right everybody's gonna lie everybody's gonna tell the truth and it and they're all gonna be good and bad and everywhere in between and they're a perfect example of that right of like even when you get backstabbed by them you're kind of like yeah, but I get it. Like, yeah, but yeah. you're okay. <laughs> like, it's fine. He's sick. They're trying to live. The world's in, like, a horrible spot. It all makes sense. Because they're not... They don't... Ba like, they backstab you in a malicious way, no. Uh, right? But they yeah. don't do it out of malicious intent. It's never for the harm of Pinocchio. It's for their own survival. Sure. Um, whereas certain other characters, that's very much so not the motive. But that, like you said, it's a very, like, human thing. You never know how it's going to uh, go one way or the other. But um, by that point in the game, I had already decided, fuck humanity. Did you did you ever get oh, to that point? No? No. Oh, yeah. I no. was I was full on, like, I'm going to fucking... Like, I, I knew Aladoro was, like, fucking me over. Like, I knew oh, all yeah, these him. things. I was kind of, like, just done with everybody. Even his little sidekick guy. I got to the point, you know, the guy who's, like, chasing after him, who, like, wants to be a treasure hunter as well. Yeah. I was like... There's something ain't right about you either. I know, like, I'm going to fuck you up at some point, too. <laughs> hiding something is what yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. All humans are evil. Yeah, I got to that point where I was just like, you know what? I think everybody's fucking dirt. And I, and I think that's basically true of the game. I'm not sure there's anybody yeah. who's like, at some point doesn't backstab you or lie to you or even fucking Quite Geppetto. Yeah, Geppetto, Geppetto I saw from a mile away. That one, well, that one became kind of obvious. Yeah, early on they try and kind of I think show you that right like there are other people or you pick up something and somebody quite blatantly references Geppetto is a bad fucking dude I think it may be well, Simon first, first time you see Simon as well Sorry, go on. Simon says it the 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 uh the donkey oh uh, yeah of course the donkey yeah 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 the donkey says it on the bridge there's constantly but 
again it goes to that thing of like oh he's he's like your father figure he's not evil and that worked for a while and then it just sort of got to the point where it's like i don't know if i believe this anymore and then geppetto also asks you at one point during the uh, last level when you first free him from his cage he's like did uh did you did you believe did you believe in me did i do good enough uh did i do good enough for you to trust me and i was like no fuck no you didn't <laughs> i have absolutely no trust in you i did the same thing and i immediately regretted it because i was trying every opportunity i got i was trying to lie thinking you know that it would like i at that point i think lying or not had already had its effect right i was already human as far as you know looks or whatever went and so um and I don't think the nose was getting any longer on the pain, which was cool and weird as well. Like I was interested. In yeah. That. But, um, yeah. By that point, I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm lying at every opportunity I get. Da, da, da. And then he's like, do you think I'm a good dad? And I'm like, no, fuck you. And it's like, oh, no, that's the truth. Oh, no, I fucked myself. <laughs> I was supposed to lie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But but yeah, the, the nose on the painting, were you as obsessed with that as I was? Every fucking time I, I went back to the hotel, every time I was like, what the fuck is this? Every time I went in and I got close, the first time I got close enough and I saw you could interact with it, I had to interact with it every time I walked by it, especially when I noticed it got longer. Like, it's going to let me use it at some point. I'm going to get to use it at some point. And then eventually you do and you get a record and a weapon, I believe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. A, re a weapon and record, which I fucked. So I didn't get it because I was, I needed to go back after new game. Like after I'd finished the game, I needed to go back to the hotel and the final message of the game confused me and immediately started me into New Game Plus. And so I, missed, I never got the, the weapon. There's a couple of stuff you miss at the end uh, by not going back, and I have missed them as well. Sad. Uh, I, I thought, like, oh, you, if you don't continue here, like, you're just, it's a new game completely, like, uh, not a New Game Plus. Uh, yeah. I didn't know you get to continue the game afterwards at the end, uh, which would have been interesting to go back and see some of the stuff that might have been different um, after the ending absolutely quick question did you uh give the old lady the medicine that it offers you to give her yes you did i didn't i let i uh, let her die she dies either way okay well yeah i think uh, i think then, the I options are is she dies painfully or she dies painlessly yeah she dies quickly and painlessly or slowly but painfully and then she's around to hang out with the butler i guess who who is in love with her is in love with her yeah yeah that, that love nice. a very big theme of this game <laughs> like very yeah. big and whether or not you should fuck robots or puppets yeah the answer is yes always fuck, fuck whoever puppet. you love yeah exactly. <laughs> always yeah. fuck the puppet yeah the bigger and scarier the puppet the more you should fuck it that, that surprised me as well there's early on or not early on i suppose but relatively i think in the first kind of third of the game there's a guy who's like hey my wife's dead go find her and like get something off of her for me and then you get there and realize she was a puppet and he was in love with this puppet and he's like yeah don't worry about it it's fine right like don't worry about it people fuck puppets i guess um and he never comes back. I thought for sure he was gonna show up in the. Oh, a lot of the side, a lot of the side quest stuff, characters never come back. Mm. I feel like that's probably one of the most unsatisfying part for a majority of the game, with the with the exception of like main character side quests, like the uh, the the smithing lady who upgrades your weapons, and uh, Vivendi's side quest. Other than those two, I felt like a majority of the side quests just sort of felt. A little empty and i wish there was a bit more to them yeah, i agree in the game i agree i i think like that's not unusual for souls games right yeah. like oh absolutely like... i don't i don't think it was an odd experience for a souls game by any means yeah just if they had worked it in that goes a little bit more to the 
environmental storytelling thing I, I mentioned earlier, if there was a little bit more of that to just add a little bit more emphasis to these stories. And there is a bit of it, but just a little bit more. Um, and I would have been satisfied, but ultimately like that doesn't adjust or negatively impact my opinion on the game at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really that big of a complaint. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. So then uh, let's talk a little bit about specific bosses then. Um, are there any in particular that stood out for you for either good or bad reasons? Uh, three good bosses. I mentioned the police officer. Absolutely right. loved his design. Uh, then there's the puppet king. Specifically, the first the first phase I thought was like goofy as hell. I wasn't really like into it. It was kind of like a whatever boss. And then you get to that second phase. And holy, was is that for the longest time, A, that was my favorite boss in the game up until you get to the very last boss in the game. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it might be one of my favorite bosses in a Souls game in really? general. Yeah. Oh, well, I came full circle in the bad way on the King of Puppets. Like, I started that fight fucking hating it. And then got to the second phase and was like in it and retrying and was like oh yeah this is fucking sick and then came back around to fucking hating it to hating it oh yeah. interesting no no i i walked away from the moment that i first started that second phase i was like i absolutely love this boss fight yeah. it's just aesthetically clue uh aesthetically clues i don't even know what i was trying to say aesthetically, aesthetically cool uh the Dope mechanics cut scene on the way in yes it really reminded me of the jedi cutscene earlier in the year uh with the 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 Jedi who turns into a spoiler for that game, I guess spoiler cast. Even though it's a spoiler cast, not for that. The Jedi who turns into a Sith after he awakens, who's missing his arm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, way yeah. better so than that. I gave, would say, but yeah, I agree. I agree. But it gave me that sort of vibe, and that for the that for majority of this year was my favorite boss like mm. moment, boss reveal moment. Until you get to this point, and I thought that was absolutely cool. And until you get to the final boss of the game he was absolutely my favorite boss of the whole entire thing that's interesting because because as well for me i feel like and you're not supposed to at this point in the game but i didn't have a lot of context for really who he was like i was like okay i'm gonna go fight the king of puppets this feels very end game for something i've only been playing for five hours at this point or whatever um and then like there's the second phase and stuff and i'm like i don't do, am i supposed to have context for who this is or why i care and that comes way later right yeah um and it is interesting and it is cool, I think, but I still don't fully understand what it was all about, I guess. Maybe I kind of do. But I don't know. I kind of, shit. yeah, I saw him and I was like, he kind of looks like my character. <laughs> so I was like, there's a connection there. Okay. And then yeah. the whole scene in the background with, play, uh, with Geppetto taking the heart from one person to the other, I kind of thought he was a failed Geppetto puppet is the way I took that. Mm. Yeah, he was a yeah, I get, I get uh, that. Pinocchio. I get that. I get yeah. that. I get that. I get that. Um, and then you, you really enjoyed the last boss as well. Yes, the last boss uh, is probably my favorite Souls game boss ever. Interesting. So maybe I... the I was gonna say the giant wolf, and I forget which soul. I think it's I forget which Dark Souls it is. The wolf with the sword and smack. Oh uh, yeah, that's that so better. Fucking, yeah, that's fight. so cool. Yeah. Um, and sad. And I think that, that incredibly like, yeah. sad. Yeah. That kind of helps that boss fight quite a bit. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think the last boss was really good as well. I, what I did have to do, though, like, I respect right, like, as I was fighting the last boss. And I respect everything into technique. And I used the um, the, the boss sword that has a parry in its buildup. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the one that's attack. not a katana, but looks like a katana. Exactly. Like the, and the, yeah, that was the, like, I, I had to make that decision. Like, the only way I think I'm going to beat this is by totally respecting and having more speed. 
is what I needed. I needed more dash. I needed more stamina. And um, using my heavy weapon, I just wasn't being able to get hits in and then have enough stamina to get out and, and you know, block my yes. way out of it. Um, so, yeah, utilizing that buildup with the parry in it, with the perfect block, uh, Q, uh, not cube grinder and all those things, yeah. that was what... Uh, let me win the game i guess like i banged my head against that wall for far too long and then decided to respec and then got through it without too much trouble so um yeah i didn't love that i didn't love that i felt like i really need to respec here although i, I like that i had the opportunity to do it and had the option to do it um but i did yeah. feel like my i was being forced a little bit into doing it i think you could have gotten away if you perfect parried everything yeah exactly that right but even exactly even that. then i I do agree with you that boss is a little bit uh, fast on reactions um, and I didn't spend enough time with uh, the heavy weapons because I was a technique build. Even in the beginning, before I respect the first time, I was putting everything into motive, mm -hmm. but I was only using technique weapons and I was so stubborn with it. So I was like, I'm turning all my technique weapons into motive weapons and I'm not switching this at all because I was super stubborn with it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like... Um... Up until that point, I didn't feel like I was being punished for picking the way I was playing. Um, yeah. And then I did... And look, you're right. Maybe if I'd persisted. Um, but I did think as well, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to respec and then learn this new weapon and then learn this boss fight again. And then... But I just found it so much easier respecing its technique and doing yeah. it that way that I was like, ah, well, maybe this is the way the game wanted me to play this. And that weapon's just fucking cool. Having a parry oh. in the buildup on your R2 is fucking sick. And it felt so satisfying every time you land it. And it was just that awesome. That weapon and the scythe weapon, uh, two of my favorite weapons uh, in this game. And maybe two of my favorite weapons in any Souls game in general. Like those weapons are both uh, absolutely fantastic to use. Especially the second one you're talking about with the parry. Uh, the moments you would land that parry were so satisfying. Especially when it was in a boss fight and it would give you the, uh, the stagger. And if you staggered enemies right away, you'd get them into that knockdown state so you could punish them right away, which I thought was really cool what the game did, that if you ever got an enemy into a stagger state with uh, a charge attack or, some, or fable art or something like that, it puts them directly in the vulnerable state. You didn't have yep. to like reapply that, uh, that one thing, which was really dope. Yeah, it was really cool. And did you find yourself breaking weapons a lot on enemies? This was a big, um, we probably should talk about this in the spoiler-free section, but there we go. Uh, if you perfect parry an enemy enough times, it will break the weapon that they're holding. I yes. only experienced it twice on bosses. Um, oh. And so I was a bit like, oh, this is the thing I wish happened more. I felt like I was parrying enough. I don't know, but maybe not. Yeah, I had it happen a good amount to me, um, but I, I do, on bosses, I'm trying to think, I know I've had it on smaller enemies happen a lot. I'm trying to think on bosses, I definitely had it with the uh, the one chick that you climbed the ladder up and she's just standing there with the two, with the huge blade and the knife. Oh, yeah. Um, I had it happen with her and I'm trying to think if I've had it happen with anybody else and maybe not, maybe not with bosses. I think you might be right on that. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. It was a cool mechanic. I thought it was a really, really cool idea and a cool mechanic. Um, but I often felt like, and I think maybe because I was using heavy weapons as well, like when I was fighting normal enemies, either they're done in two hits or they're probably going to kill me. Um, and so uh, often I wasn't getting to the point where I was perfectly parrying normal weapon enemies. Like those, yeah. those fights just didn't last long enough for me. Um, and so, yeah, maybe if I'd you know, been technique for longer or whatever, I would have, I would have found yeah. that a bit better, but um, I thought it was a cool idea. And then I just kind of finished the game and was like, I didn't really see that that much. I, 
I saw it a, a lot on okay. uh, on smaller enemies. Yeah, They're, they even added some enemies later in the game that you could parry and break their weapons, and they would sort of rebuild their weapons as well. Well, um, I didn't see that. It was it's That's the guys skill. with the lightning staffs. Okay. Cool. Yeah, them. So you could break their weapon, and they. It's not really like a cool uh, visual or something like that. It just sort of happens. So it's not really anything. <laughs> it felt like a last minute thing. Like, oh, it'd be cool if we had an enemy that sort of re uh, regrew their weapon or fix their weapon or whatever. Um, hopefully, that is something that they do later in games. I would love it if they did sort of the Souls type experience with that, where normally in a Souls games, if you break a boss's tail, you can get a weapon off of it. Mm. Um, a lot of times, if they did it where if you break a boss's weapon, you can get something out of it. I that would be, be cool. a very dope experience. Or even if, it, yeah. even if you did that and it just gave you the blade, right? And then yeah. you put that blade onto another handle oh, or something like that. That'd be kind of cool, right? Like, that's or, actually, or vice versa or, you know, yeah. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That Now that you say that, that fits perfectly with the game. You can have that actually. one for free, NeoWiz. <laughs> Crack on. Um so then we talked a little bit about it in the spoiler-free territory and touched on a little bit here, but like it, how the game ties into the fairy tales and stuff. Do you find yourself getting lost when you when it introduces like Jiminy and you're supposed to know that that's like a cricket from the fairy tale? Were you like picking up on stuff like that or would you feel a bit lost? With it? Yeah, I, I was picking up on it for the most part. I was just constantly like, what's the twist on it? And with Jiminy in particular, you don't get the twist until the very end. And even then... I don't know if you fully get the image of Jiminy. Not really. Like, like, it, it, like, establishes early on, I guess, that like everybody has a Jiminy, and they're just like help. It's like having an iPhone. You have a Jiminy, and it follows you uh -huh. around, and it tells you about I, the world and stuff like that. One hundred percent. I did not get that. <laughs> oh, really? From it. I think. Yeah. It, I think it tells you that quite early on because she's like when you go to the hotel for the first time. I think is Geppetto or or the fairy says like, oh, your Jiminy is malfunctioning. You should go and get that. Oh, she says your Jiminy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, oh, okay. and, but then, but then you never see anybody else with one. Now that I'm saying it out loud, but that's the way I interpreted yeah. it. Is that that like having my... a Jiminy was like having an iPhone? Because when you're climbing up the Alchemist's tower uh, to fight Simon in the end, Jiminy mentions like, I've been here before. I remember it, but I don't. Uh, I get this feeling when I'm here, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. So I didn't take it as there's multiple Jiminy's. I, I took it as like somebody messed with this Jiminy very particularly. Oh, and my mind went to uh, the reveal at the end of the uh, guy on the phone with the lady on the other end. Let's talk about that in a second. But the reason that I thought Jiminy was go was saying that, because he says it as well when you go to the library and you look at the book and it's the book of Pinocchio, right? It's the fairy yeah. tale of Pinocchio. And Jiminy's like, oh, no, it's not actually. It's like a fairy tale about a boy who becomes a puppet and lies. And then yeah. Jiminy's like, I can't remember the name of the, of the person this book's about or whatever. And he can't remember the name Pinocchio. And... And there's like things like that happen relatively, you know, probably five times throughout the whole game where Jiminy's like, I've been here or I don't remember this or I don't quite remember that. And then it's revealed that the fairy, every time you die, the fairy is turning back time to yeah. reset you so that you can carry on. And, and uh... that's what's happening. And so I thought it was a symptom of that. Like, like she's rewound time so much that Jiminy doesn't quite know what he knows and what he doesn't. Oh, that's a very fair point. That's definitely a possibility without a doubt. And yeah, I'd never like I don't put know. those two together. That would make sense yeah. as a sort of teaser to that big reveal when it happens. Uh, yeah, which, exactly. Did you see that reveal coming at all? Her being no, a spirit? But, but also, does it really matter? Like, I wasn't really questioning why I'm resetting each time. Yeah. 
I thought it was nice for that to like sort of be the reason that she's rewinding time. Sure. Um, I also think the moment it makes the moment that I was kind of like confused by when you first go to the statue though to uh reset everything. Uh-huh. Um, that she's just standing there and I'm like, crazy lady, what are you doing? Why'd you walk all the way over here? She never walked there. Yeah. Uh that sort of made sense at that point. And then it also makes sense where none of the other characters with the exception of the cat ever move positions but every time you load in she's loaded into a different area and so that sort of in a weird way sort of clicked in me that she's not really there in a sense interesting yeah i guess Which i don't so. know if that's by design that might not be by design but that's sort of what i read into it yeah it's interesting yeah i i i was like sure when when that's like a twist i'm like okay sure i don't don't think i really care either way it could do some interesting stuff in the future like oh some people i guess some beings have the potential for time travel that could be interesting have you painted yourself in a corner now we'll get into the dlc and sequel in a bit of if i'm another character and the same mechanics happening and nobody's turning back time is that a bit odd like like don't i I need a deity now who's turning back time for me if i'm going to restart all the time I, I think know. we'll talk about it because there is uh, once we get to like that ending well, bit because there is. Let's talk about the guy on the train that. then. So so basically, we both got the same ending. Um, do you yeah. get the train either way? And any ending you get, no. or is that that's a specific I, ending? I think that's specifically for the ending we got, so which is supposed we, to be the good ending. Sure, we should both say. I mean, we said it anyway. We told Geppetto he was a shit dad. We yeah. decided to kill the nameless puppet. Um, yeah, which is a really cool ending as well. When when like. Geppetto jumps in the way because the nameless puppet's about to kill you. I was like, that's fucking sick. I really Yeah, and it's not even that, that he's gonna kill you, it's that he's gonna destroy the heart. So exactly. even in that final moment, so Geppetto's cool. an asshole. And I was so glad with that because I was like, it would have been such a boring ending to have Geppetto suddenly change character and be like, yeah. no, Pinocchio, you've been my son this whole time. Uh, to him constantly still at the end worrying about Carlos, I think was a very, very good twist on that. Yeah, um, yeah, really cool, really cool idea. Um, and so then, of course, uh, fade to black, and then we get this guy on the train. And you said to me before we start recording, "Do you know yeah. who that guy on the train was?" And I said, "Was it Dorian Gray?" And you were like, "Why the fuck would it be Dorian Gray? Who's Dorian Gray?" So they, when you find the painting of Pinocchio that you put up on the wall and it starts to grow the nose, um, somebody says, or you can read the description, or something happens, and somebody says, "Oh, it's painted by a guy called D. Gray." They said his paintings were so good that it would trap the soul of whoever he painted in it. Dorian Gray is uh, like an original vampire. And so uh, Uh. he paints a portrait of himself to keep himself young. And he has an attic full of all these portraits of himself. And if he looks at the portrait, he turns to dust. I think that's the legend of Dorian Gray. Um, And so they set him up in this world as well. Interestingly, I don't think Dorian Gray is in the public domain. And so... I'm not sure how they got away with that or what that was. Um, well, they just called him D. Gray. They didn't say Dorian Gray. They absolutely just say D. Gray. Yeah. So who knows? But I, I thought that's what they were leading into. I thought that's who was on the train, but you don't n- think that's right. No. So the character goes by the name of Paral- Paracelsus. Par- Paracelsus. Okay. I butchered that name, absolutely. But apparently he is uh, sort of a scientist and of sorts and medical dude in real life. I didn't read too much into it. But story-wise, he is the character that's by the tree that takes your that gives you the wishing stone oh. and takes the golden apples. It is that exact character. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but all so, the way through the game, that guy is like, "I'm dying. I'm ill. I it's need a lie. this shit." Right. Right. Yeah. 
It's a lie. He's there because of the Krat experiment, whatever they're doing to chase after eternity. So when you were talking about the point of uh, how will they have you coming back to life, it might not always be the time travel aspect. Uh-huh. It could be something else that because they, they it sounds like they found multiple ways to eternity where every game sort of has their own take or their own approach on it. Of course, they can always do the etern- the rewinding time because at the end of the game, the blue fairy's still alive. Yeah. Except she's a puppet now, which I thought was a very interesting turn, uh, yeah. turn of events. And so I've seen as well on TikTok, the place where I get all of my uh, valuable news that I can trust. Um, I saw somebody running around Krat Hotel and everybody's a puppet. Interesting. And I had no context for it. I didn't know if it's like a New Game Plus thing. If that's what happens when you tell the truth all the way through, everybody else starts turning into puppets. Um, but like the the blacksmith lady's a puppet, Geppetto's a puppet, they're all puppets. Interesting. I have not seen that. I wonder. I'm so gonna I don't know where that look comes from. Okay. Look it up. Look it up for me, really quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so like you're absolutely right. There is there is a whole ton of ways that they can do um, this like time rewind mechanic or not. Right, Dorian Gray would be another way to do it. Like this guy's immortal unless he looks at a painting of himself that he's done. Um, and so, like, he could die and come back and die and come back over and over again. And they've definitely set up that character, and they've, of course, set up this, like, Marvel cinematic world. You look deep in Thor, Crash. Is it... Have you found it? Did I lie? Did I make it up? I'm No, no, it is right. apparently... It is apparently a thing. Um, I'm trying to look at the exact moment where you see everybody in the hotel. It's really cool. I, it's a cool idea. Yeah, everyone gets turned into a hotel. Geppetto turns everybody into a, a puppet it, it, to stabilize the, the hotel. Is that in a different ending or is that? I'm assuming it's in a different ending. I'm assuming it's in the ending if you give him the heart. Interesting. Because Creepy. it would make sense for him. He doesn't want to create variables where Carlos wouldn't live. So it, it absolutely makes sense. Creepy as fuck. Like it reminds me of like... um. Did you guys have goosebumps? Was that a UK thing? No, we had goosebumps as well. Yeah, yeah. that would definitely be a goosebumps thing the for sure. The ventriloquist puppet where the kid, the kids fall down the well and become ventriloquist puppets. I think that's the plot of that. It would, it terrified me as a child. It should not be classified as children's TV, but it is. Um, uh, yeah, oh, so yeah, yeah. It's a it, you get that ending. That is uh, sort of the ending of the game. If you so if you if you sacrifice your heart. your heart and return back to the hotel, everybody's a puppet. Yeah, so which I wonder, makes sense why people call that the bad ending. <laughs> sure, and probably the non-canon ending, because like you yes. say, we have DLC on the way, we have a sequel on the way. Maybe you know more about this than me. Obviously, after the train sequence, you see Dorothy and her magical uh, red slippers walking across the rooftops of Krat. And so, what do you think? Have they already said, is that DLC? Is that a sequel? What are we going to be doing with Dorothy? They haven't said, and that is a very interesting thing that I could see them taking either to a sequel or to the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, the DLC, I feel like they can go two routes. One is the Dorothy route, and one is the post crat uh, situation with the uh, the Blue Fairy being a puppet now and sort of exploring that idea and that sort of part of the game. Or they could go the Dorothy route. I do know there is a yellow stargazer somewhere in the game that you can't actually interact with and it says not available for use yet or something along those lines which people were saying is like that's like the yellow brick road it's a yellow stargazer and so it adds that avenue that i would guess that the dlc is probably going to be um 
uh, has have to do with Dorothy. Maybe not the full exploration of Dorothy as a character, because that does seem like it's being set up for a bigger plot point instead of just that. Um, but yeah. I would um, kind of love it if in a sequel we play as Dorothy and Pinocchio and Geppetto are the baddies. And it's the bad ending that is canon. Oh, everybody's he's turned everybody into puppets. And you're like, fuck this guy. Let's go fuck him. That would be, you know, even if they were to never make that an actual sequel, I would be 100% down for that to be a DLC or something along those lines. I think that would be a very cool exploration. As a DLC, I feel like it would be short-lived and kind of undermine the game. A little bit, yeah. If you turn the protagonist of the game into a bad guy that you don't play as in the DLC. Yeah, that's fair. But that's but it'd be true. interesting to see what they do with the DLC because if the DLC is a direct continuation, then they have to commit, right? They have to commit to a canon ending. You'd have, yeah. you'd have thought. Well, I, I'd assume. I'd DLC's assume the, the. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Pinocchio's lived many lives. Yeah. Uh, so it absolutely could be a sequel. It could also be a sequel for Romeo and how the Puppet King came to be. In yeah, that whole yeah, situation. prequel. For There's that, a lot so. of stuff. That isn't fully explained to the player as of yet, which I think is very purposeful, because um, there's obviously uh, stuff that were in play with the character on the train and the way they called it project or project Krat and how yeah. it's a success and how they found immortality and stuff like that. Um, and the 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 god arm being relevant and who exactly that character is, because I'm sure it's going to be. A fairy tale character of sorts that we'll find out at some point. Sorry, explain this to me. I've I've lost you there at the end. So you know, uh, at the end when you beat Simon, you grab the uh, hand of God from him. Yes, the arm of God from him. Uh, at the end of the game on the train, the character mentions we still have to get the arm back, ah. which could very easily be mistaken for you have to get Pinocchio's arm back. Yeah, he has the, the special arm or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Legion and stuff like that. But I don't think that's the reference. It's yeah. probably the reference for the God arm. Um, and so fairy tale wise, I was like racking my brain as to what that could be. But I think that's pretty much a unknown for right now. Yeah. Very cool. So a lot of, a lot of different avenues they can take the story. They've set a lot of different stuff up for the story as well, which I thought was very dope and very sort of, they knew they had a good game here with everything they've done. Yeah, for sure. And and like you say, like the because they're planting it in this fairy tale world, it's such rich, like fucking awesome. Like before I clicked that it was Dorothy, I saw red and I was like, oh, it's a little red riding hood. And yeah. the big bad wolf. And like, holy shit, that could be a fucking awesome avenue to go down. Like I I originally was like, oh, they're gonna be more along the Disney route of stuff because mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's more in the face fairy tale stuff. And they were to Wizard of Oz, which by no means is a small fairy tale. It's a very big fairy tale. But I would say in today's age, it doesn't hold the weight that a lot of these sure. fairy tales might necessarily hold. I also thought, and, and I might be wrong and you might know more about this than me, um, a character that you meet that I think is quite underutilized but does make their way to the hotel is that uh, hunter woman. Um, yes. And I think her name's Belle? Bella. Oh, what Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast is why it imme- turns into a monster. Yeah, is immediately what I clicked, and I was like, okay, that's cool, underutilized for what this world. Could yeah, be, but cool. 
um, are we going to do anything else here? And then, like, no, was the answer. Unless I didn't yeah, go wow. back and talk to him and figure out what... what no, I don't think there was anything do. else. That kind of makes that a little bit disappointing for me as well. Because that yeah. could have been a very cool, like, sort of exploration of that. There's a lot of, like, the ending and introducing Dorothy and, like, sort of, like, oh, the Tin Man's in that world and he'd be the equivalent of Pinocchio and how do they incorporate that? Will Pinocchio be the Tin Man or will the Tin Man be somebody who wants a heart and essentially is chasing the main character, Pinocchio, because he has what he wants? And so there's so many different right, routes cool. they could take with that. They're looking – now you mentioned the Beauty and the Beast thing. It's, like, they were able to make that fit in a game that I don't necessarily – no would have been able to fit that i'm just like curious how they would approach any uh fairy tale they choose to sort of intertwine into the narrative that they're doing yeah it it's just opens it up to be really cool right and and also a little bit disappointing like kind of beauty and the beast i guess is in this world but like you say like they could expand on that right like the lion from dorothy's fairy tale could be the beast like i guess they could tie that into each other and make it work and make it happen right like i'm sure they couldn't they would like like all the little touchstones to the fairy tale most i should say of the little touchstones of the fairy tale i really enjoyed like the submarine being the whale that takes you to toy island yes. like being swallowed by the way like i was like cool i guess there's a submarine now in this game i wouldn't have yeah. been shocked if it was a whale like if you just got eaten by a whale at that point and that took you to, to toy that would have been the most souls thing ever if you actually got eaten by a whale and sent over yeah um it, i but, thought it yeah, was a no. little bit odd that it was just a submarine i was like i get what you're doing to tie this in but this feels yeah. odd to me <laughs> in a way that a whale probably wouldn't have felt would that feel, odd at this point yeah yeah it's a very interesting turn because in being more normal it became more odd for the game absolutely yeah um and so i'm really interested but, to see what they end up doing beauty and the beast dorothy how yeah. how weird is it gonna get but you're right the tin man i didn't even think about the tin man but that plays so well into this world that already exists and so yeah the tin man's what really got me like once they mentioned dorothy and my mind immediately went to the tin man that's what really got me to like they absolutely know what they're doing with their approach to these fairy tales they didn't just happen upon pinocchio and come out with something uh sort of luckily uh, not to say that it would have been luckily, but sort of like uh, without a bigger vision for other fairy tales. They clearly know what they're going to do and with them being willing to introduce Belle. And if that is the Beauty and the Beast connection and that's all we're going to get from that, that makes me think like, oh, some of the other stuff they have in store is going to be better than that turn. And maybe something like that with how known Beauty and the Beast is, is actually a better thing that they're not playing it's around really with something we know super well really good point yeah actually yeah you're, you're probably absolutely right it is interesting that now that we're talking about it right how many of these fairy tales hinge on the idea of humanity right like beauty and the yeah. beast is all about is the beast human anymore like uh, you talk about the tin man but the scarecrow is the exact same in dorothy right yeah. like this idea that like you have the brains to become more human like it all plays so well into itself my god they thought it through <laughs> the, the the lion with the courage yeah, yeah. right so like the instead of asking you to lie in the next game it could be asking you do you go the scared route or do you go the courageous are route, you gonna right? be brave you play as yeah. the lion and are you gonna be brave that could be fucking cool oh my god yeah, i'm so, so excited for this franchise i'm so excited for this team it, we didn't even talk about it but it's so stunning like like we talked about how oh. small the scale of this game is but when you remember that this is their gorgeous. first game and it's you know it, it's, it's 
incredible what an achievement it's better it's better looking than games from studios that have put out multiple copies of games right yeah yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. the hair physics in this game i was so confused with why they put so much effort <laughs> into the hair physics at first i was like there's way too much into this hair it looks good but then you grow your hair and i'm like it all absolutely makes sense at that point because the hair change is a very very big point for them and narratively they wanted that to connect uh but yeah visually the game is absolutely absolutely stunning it's one thing that i'm constantly playing which is one of the reasons uh i'd mentioned my least favorite level was the level at the end with the alchemists is that area just doesn't look good it kind of looks like shit everywhere you turn yeah it's like it doesn't it does visually it isn't as satisfying as the earlier part uh until you get to like that last end and you're actually climbing the alchemist tower mm. um and you get that dope view at the top and everything like that uh, once you get there, I think visually the game sort of goes back up on an uptick. Um, but the rest of that, it was just such an uninspired uh, area for the most part. Very, very quick sidebar. You mentioned the hair and it reminded me. Um, there's a bit of the developer interview. I did a developer interview with the director. If you want to see that, go to the Future Game Show YouTube channel, by the way. Um, but there's a bit that I cut out that now feels more relevant and I shouldn't have cut out, uh, which is where he kind of joked that he um, he wished he'd given Pinocchio longer, more like rocker hair because he's part of an indie band and he wanted uh, Pinocchio to be more of a rock star. But he lost that battle. And then when you become more human, Pinocchio gets longer hair, which is now... An interesting thing for him to have said, but there we go. I cut it out of the dev interview because I thought it was boring um, <laughs> and irrelevant, but there we go. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so so look, we've gushed about this game now for an hour or whatever. Um, obviously, there's going to be more. There's going to be DLC. There's going to be, um, you know, a sequel. So what do you want to see improve, I guess, in the in the sequel and the, and the DLC potentially? Um, definitely... Either the environmental storytelling or the side quest storytelling, I would love to see one of them improved. It doesn't even have to be much. It just has to sort of make that ending feel full in a lot of those stories where a lot of times with the exception of um, the, the, the puppet, not the puppet king, the, uh, the puppet, the riddle king or whatever his name yeah, was, yeah. the serial killer, king of riddles with the exception of him. Uh, I don't feel any of the endings feel super satisfying. Even the one with the uh, girl and her her brother, like yeah. that one doesn't feel super satisfying. Like it ends kind of on a nice note, but it never feels like it fully goes full circle. Yeah. Um, and that's generally the case with a lot of the side quests. So I would definitely love to see that get improved. I'd say even the ones that, you, you know, they are side quests, but like even um, the blacksmith doesn't really get, like there's like hints at like her origin and where she comes from and all this stuff and then like none of it gets resolved um bell is the same like she's just there still at the hotel i guess i think that's purposeful it goes to like them i get i'm i'm with you on it that it doesn't really get solved and i do but i do think it's purposeful because it is like they're building out this bigger world because the blacksmith is from another part of the world uh uh bell is an agent from outside of crack so I do think they are sort of trying to build this bigger world where I wouldn't be surprised if you see Belle in a sequel and if you see the blacksmith in a sequel, which was something that I don't think you normally see uh, going from Dark Souls 1 to Dark Souls 2 That's and fair. 3 most of the time. And, and I hope that um, is the case. I hope we see those characters more and I hope they are fleshed out more. Um, I kind of like wanted like, you know, Belle's supposed to be this badass. You don't see her be a badass at all. Like I, like I was hoping like maybe an opportunity to now summon her instead of a specter or something, you know, and like Ooh. flesh out these characters a bit. Like, like you say, it's, it's so not the souls thing, but this game did 
did dive more into the story than Souls typically does, and so I, I kind of wish it, like you say, it fleshed those out, and those had been a bit more um, satisfying endings. Exactly what you said, right? Um, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see in like a brand new release, especially a sequel, what they do with difficulty. Like I think like they heard that the this game was too hard. Like that you know there was a day one patch to make it a bit easier. They've been patching balance stuff in a lot. Um, and so, you know, I'd be interested to go back now and play New Game Plus. Would I notice a significant difference? I don't know, maybe. But um, it'd be interesting to see how they deal with that going forward. And it does feel like the sort of franchise that could really turn Souls games on their head and just introduce accessibility features um, like health sliders for enemies and you, um, damage sliders for you and, and enemies. Um that people have been crying out for in Souls games. Some people have been crying out for in Souls games. Yeah. Um, while, you know, there's a certainly a vocal, maybe minority, maybe not, who certainly don't want that. Um, yeah. But I'm curious, do you think that that's a, that's a possibility that we see that in a sequel? I think so, because of the main, like the mainline story focus. Like this is ultimately like, Souls games are all about like the overall experience where this game, I feel like, while the overall experience is great, I think the through line is that narrative mm -hmm. that I think it becomes easier to sort of look at it and be like a story uh, having an easy mode doesn't take away from the quote unquote experience the developer wants to give you in this game. Because um, I don't think it, it does. I think it is the story and the world that they've crafted without that sort of brutal experience of you banging your head against the wall. I think the only moment you might lose out slightly on uh, is the moment with the where the blue fairy tells you like, hey, I've been rewinding time this whole time. Sure. Um, and unless that gives, there's like more nuance to that sort of revelation, um, which I wouldn't be surprised if there is in sequels that that revelation isn't something that sort of super ties that, the whole experience together, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I think they, personally, I think they should seize the opportunity to become the accessible Souls game. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, I, I think there's, there should be conversation around whether or not this is, the right souls game to get new people into souls games um i don't necessarily feel like it is unfortunately the story should make it that um yeah but i do think it requires a level of perfect parrying and understanding the weapon system which is relatively complex at least when you first get into it the way that leveling up works in in you know conjunction with the with the weapon system and all those things um there's a lot of in interconnected systems and i'm not sure you can get away with not engaging in those systems um and still be able to make it through the game with as difficult as it is yeah i i don't disagree with that um i i i'm 100 with you on this would be the perfect game to introduce a easier mode for souls games even if it is sort of like hey here are two or three amulets you can get in the game and they'll make the game significantly easier for you yeah. maybe they reduce the amount of rewards you get or whatever it is maybe i i don't know i was gonna say maybe even locking out locking you out of special endings but i don't think that would be a fun mechanic to introduce with that i don't think you should punish players for doing something like that yeah but something along the lines of like hey here's these you take up the slots that could be used for like stamina or whatever and we'll make the game easier for you in those slots i think that would be a very good compromise that we've seen quite a bit of games outside of souls games sort of do so it would be interesting to see a souls game sort of approach it like that and see how that functions 
Yeah, it just yeah. I I just you know I'm very much on the the bandwagon of Souls games should be accessible. Like it it doesn't affect my experience at all. If you want to make yourself invincible, like go for it. Yeah. Like if you just want to blast through this boss, if you want to turn off the weight system, the weight system I get why it's there. I hate it. I can't be asked. I don't. I don't think it was that bad. It, it Especially even, you get to a point where you can have three weapons, and I'm like yeah. I can't run around with two weapons, man. Like. Uh, you've, been putting too many, you've been putting too many points in your health and stuff like that. Well, maybe, but endurance. also, I'm I'm using heavy weapons for the majority of this game. I'm not running around with little daggers and katanas. That's on you. That's well, your build choice. That's maybe. part of the decision you made as a player. I guess you can't have it all. I guess, but like, but like, it wouldn't have impacted if I if I'd been able to turn off the weight system. Yeah. I absolutely would have done it, and yeah. and I would still love this game as much as I love this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think the big through line is the story, right? Because yeah. the argument that's always made for other Souls games is like, the Soul, the Souls experience is a experience from beginning to end, and if you add a easy mode, you might ruin that experience, right? Or you might adjust how that experience is for the player, which is not what the developer wants, which I think is a fair argument. I don't think that argument necessarily stands super strong for Liza P, because I don't think that hitting your head against the wall and overcoming the challenge is the point of that. The main point of that is what makes you human yeah right and that is through the story yeah and that's not something you need that challenge to sort of uh experience because i don't think perseverance is a big portion of that narrative necessarily yeah man i love this game and the game of the year conversation is gonna be tough i think i've said it a couple of times on the pod like you wake me up on any different day and I might give you a different answer. And Liza P is definitely in contention most of those days for my favorite game of this year. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, for me, I think it is number one. I don't think until Baldur's Gate, which we, they said Baldur's Gate is still on track to come in December, which we'll see. We uh, will see. Uh, this game is absolutely uh, at the top for me. Um, Anything else we need to talk about that we haven't touched on? I don't think so. I was ready to wrap it up. Like I say, it is yeah. absolutely a must-play if you have Game Pass. That is the other reason that I think this could be a first Souls game for a lot of people, right? It's on Game Pass. Great. If, yeah. if you've always been daunted before, now there's no barrier to entry. Um, it's also cheap, like, if you just had to buy it on PlayStation. Like, it's not a full-price game, right? I think it's 40 I think it's 40 bucks. Is it? I might be wrong. I'm I'm gonna look, look it up for me right now, and I'll correct myself before we finish uh, the pod. But but yeah, like like that is one of the huge benefits, right? Like you can play this for in Game Pass. You've got Game Pass for Halo or for Forza or whatever you've got it for. This is absolutely a new genre that you should probably try because it's not going anywhere. Like this is really, I think, one of the best examples of a Souls game not made by From Software. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come. It, uh, what, did you get a price on it? Yes, it is a $60 game. Oh, it's never on mind. sale, 40 right now. I mean, it's 60 is it. technically not the new normal anymore. Well, it is worth true. it. True, and absolutely. it's absolutely worth it. Um, support the studio if you don't have an Xbox, but if you don't have an Xbox, what are you doing here, silly? This is my Xbox and me. We do a weekly Xbox podcast, and we're going to start doing a lot more of these deep dives into games that we absolutely love. I believe the next one coming is probably going to be Alan Wake, and I'm going to be gushing over Alan Wake as well, because my God, what a year we've had for video games. Like, ah, Liza P and Alan Wake, both in the same year. My good, and Baldur's Gate, of course. Baldur's um, Gate. 
If you're still here, thank you so much for still being here. Let us know in the comments below what your favorite parts of Lies of P are, what you hope they do with the DLC, what you hope they do with the sequel. That's actually what I'm most interested to see what you guys think of, because talking about that with Crash, I hadn't thought about Tin Man and Scarecrow and all those things, and it sounds fucking dope, and I want to yeah. play it all right now. And hopefully it won't be too far along. Like like you said, like it looks like they've been thinking about and working on this for a little while, the DLC and the and the sequel, and so maybe we get some DLC next year. My God! That next year exciting. at the same time we get Elden Ring DLC that would be such and, a good year for Souls can I be real with you right now Crash when you just said yeah. that I realized I'm more excited for DLC for Lies of P than I am for Elden Ring it's because of the story until you see like that Elden Ring gameplay and you're like oh man I, I get to be back in that world there's not really that same level of attachment yeah yeah I don't care what happened to the earth tree after I set it on fire yeah <laughs> but I, I give a shit about what Dorothy's up to and Dorian Gray and Dude on the train. I'm never going to remember his name, but that is what it is. Well, his uh, his name in game is like Giano or something like that. Oh, or right. But is that G- like a Gino fake name then? Like and his real name? I think it's a fake name. Oh, yeah. Because like if you go back to him at the end of the game, uh, apparently there's a letter with the initials PP, uh, which is for whatever the person's The real name, name is. is. Interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm sure... Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be doing a spoiler cast for the DLC and probably the sequel when those games eventually come out. But my God, is a big yeah. video for games. If you're interested in listening to hear us talk about other games, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify, leave reviews on iTunes and stuff like that. We'll read them all out. We always read out reviews. Um, and yeah, let us know if you like this kind of format of stuff, I guess, like deep dives and spoiler casts for games that we've enjoyed because um, we could definitely go down the Baldur's Gate route, although probably in five years' time when we all finish that game. Um, yeah. And we are planning to do it for Alan Wake 2 as well. So let us know if you're excited and interested for that. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, I love you, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.